Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. dimension beyond that which is known to man it is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity it is the middle ground between light and shadow between science and superstition and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge this is the dimension of imagination it is an area which we call the twilight zone guys welcome back to the tragedy of cinema podcast this is the twilight zone series we are officially on episode nine now perchance to dream i am your host jimbo and once again i'm joined by your favorite uh what do you call it guest host and mine 80s e 80s e eric cummings is back what's up um this is a What's up, everybody? This is take 175 for this particular episode. We've been trying to work out uh, technical difficulties uh, late on a Saturday night. Yeah, this for, is a... What is it, a couple hours now? I think I think we might we might have it figured out. If not, you won't ever hear this anyway, and we'll just have to do a fourth recording. We've actually recorded this episode twice. <laughs> uh, the first time sounded like Eric was in the portalette outside of a rock concert. The... Second time that we just finished was about a half hour long, and um, we had some reverberation coming where it was coming through, um, like from my earphones into my microphone that I could hear him, so it was giving an echo. So, hopefully, hopefully, cousin, and hopefully, and, and we've had a we've had a learning curve. Minutes, but I have been up we're for getting better hours, so I'm hoping if not, we're shutting this down, and we're, we might just skip this episode. Okay, and we're done. <laughs> um, no. All right, let's yeah, knock it out. So, um, man, now you made me forget what I was going to say. I was going to say something really cool there, but now it's gone. So, Eric, uh, let's I'm go sorry. take this away. Let's get this started. Let's get see if this, this is actually going to work. This is a, this is a, a, a first for us. This is our first time remote recording. Well, that's actually our third time, but our first exactly. time we're actually trying to get an episode out and done. So, Eric, take it away. Exactly. All right, here we go. The Twilight Zone series, episode nine, Perchance to Dream. Again. <laughs> the air date was November 20th. 
Seven, yeah, again, the air date was November 27th, 1959. It was directed by Robert Flory, and the writing credits are as follows. Charles Beaumont, or Beaumont, however you pronounce it, and Rod Serling, of course. And uh, Jimbo, take the cast Show away. the cast. Um, there's a couple of really famous people in here. Uh, they've been in a lot of stuff, so, of course, I had to write down a little bit extra. Uh, Richard Conti, who is the main um, person in this film, um, plays Edward Hall. Um, he's most notably known for playing uh, Barzini in The Godfather. Um, he was also Barabbas in The Greatest Story Ever Told. And he was also in Ocean's Eleven. Next we have um, John Large. Uh, he played Dr. Elliot Rathman. This guy has played in a ton of movies, and a, or a, sorry, a ton of TV shows and a couple of movies. Uh, most famous uh, is the Amityville Horror, or the Amityville House, and then uh, Airplane 2. Uh, but he's been in Bonanza, Dallas, Simon & Simon, Dukes of Hazard, Dynasty, Little House on the Prairie, Hawaii Five-0, Quincy, uh, Dynasty, I mean, this guy has just been all, all the way around. And I think when I looked it up, it was either 171 or 191 movies that this guy has been in. So I'm sure you've seen him around. Um, Suzanne, or Suzanne Lloyd uh, played Maya Miss Thomas. And now the rest of the cast uh, that's uncredited, we have Eddie Marr, who uh, played Girlie Barker. Uh, Rod Serling was the narrator, bless you. Uh, Ted Stanhope uh, was the man of, on the street. Uh, Russell Trent was the rifle range barker, and Max Wagner played the roller coaster operator. All those were uncredited. So, Eric, go ahead and give us the synopsis of this before we start talking about this episode scene by scene. All right, the synopsis is uh, pretty simple. One sentence: A man tries to stay awake at all costs because if he falls asleep. His heart will fail yes, him. He has a heart condition that you will come to All find right. out that he has, he's had since he was 15. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you have the famous uh, Rod Serling uh, narration at the beginning. You know, just a normal city on a normal day at lunchtime. People hustling and bustling about. Uh, but for this man, it's going to be an extraordinary area that can mean life or death, basically. Uh, so you see this man standing outside, and man, he looks really tired. Kind of like I look right now on the Skype channel, I'm sure, to Eric. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's sitting there, and uh, he's watching these people go in and out of this old, uh, I guess you call it a carousel door, um, for better word. Um, you step in. Revolving door. Revolving door. I think it's called carousel revolving. Yeah, it's a yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's just sitting there watching. He looks, he looks yeah. like he's getting dizzy. I mean, he goes over there and he leans against the wall, and this guy comes up to him and he's like, "Hey, uh, buddy, you, you feeling okay?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm just tired." So, um, so we, we, he he you see him going inside, and you see him standing outside of this door to a psychiatric or a psychiatrist's office, and uh, he proceeds to open the door, and then um, Eric, take it away from there. Well, he, he makes his way up to the office, like Jimbo said. He goes through the, the door of Dr. Elliot Rathman. He um, exchanges a short greeting with the secretary and um, uh, proceeds to enter into the psychiatrist's office, and he passes through another door. And sort of when he comes inside the office of Dr. Rathman, he leans on the uh, filing cabinet, and he's just exhausted, sort of like Jimbo, I think, 
you know, you, <laughs> <laughs> you might end up being awake as long as this particular gentleman, uh, Edward Hall, has been awake. Um, but he comes through, and the psychiatrist immediately leads, leads him to the couch, the traditional psychiatrist couch, and he says, you need to sit down and rest. And this is an important uh, point in the episode because he lays down on the on the couch and everything sort of goes dim and dark. And he um, Edward Hall, uh, this gentleman, closes his eyes as if to go to sleep. Uh, the, everything goes dark and they zoom in on his face. And then a few seconds passes and then he jumps up out of the couch and starts walking around the office. And um, Dr. Rathman says, oh, I thought you were tired. Uh, I thought you were, he says, I'm the tiredest man in the world. And he begins to explain his um, tale of woe of why he can't go to sleep and why he has to stay awake. And he, you know, the doctor asks him a few questions and they have this exchange and they come to find out that, um, you know, Edward Hall, uh, the reason why he stays awake is because he, he can't go to sleep because he's afraid if he goes to sleep, um, he's going to eventually, he's going to die because of this heart condition and, he, he dreams in sequences and all those things. And so they, uh, they have this exchange of conversation and then what right, happens to but, um, before that you're forgetting that, um, there's a painting of a ship, um, behind the psychiatrist and he, he wanders over there to that. And, um, he goes, you know, he said, um, we used to have a, a painting like this. He's like, you ever stared at this? He's like, He's in the, the, those guys are like, well, you know, not really. He's like, I've seen it, looked at it. He's like, yeah. He's like, when I was young, he said, my mom told me that if I stared at that, that it would eventually move. And he's like, one night I sat there and I stared at that thing for an hour. And you know what? It moved. The cell started moving and the, the ship would start moving. And, um, and he's like, you know what? He's like, he's like, ever since that time, he's like, I can do it almost any time at, at any time I want. It's like if I, it reminds me of those old books that if you stared at them long enough, those pictures you could get, that you would start seeing outlines form. It's your eyes adjusting to what's actually there, not what you see right away. And then, you know, that 3D picture would pop out. And then, you know what, you could take that picture and hide it behind your back or something and then pull it back out. And your eyes automatically accustomed go right back to that. Right. And that's, that's kind of what um, the uh, psychiatrist, Dr. Rathman, he tries to... Um, to tell uh, Edward Hall, you know, well, you know, the reason why it moves, well, first of all, let me back up. Edward Hall thinks he has this overactive imagination. He thinks it's like, you know, super, like a superpower or something. He can, you know, like the example Jimbo gave, he can look at this picture and eventually it will start to move. And so Dr. Rathman tries to explain to him that really there's a simple explanation for that. It's just an optical illusion. You don't have a a super overactive imagination. And by the way, all young boys have uh, overactive imaginations and it's, it's very strong in young boys. And then um, Edward Hall starts to explain to him, no, he's like the, and this is a quote from the episode. He says, the mind is everything. If you think you've got a pain in your arm and there's no physical reason for it, it hurts all the same. And he's just trying to convince the psychiatrist that he's not crazy and that he is really experiencing these intense dreams that happen that are actually happening in real life. Right. But um, it's also, have you ever heard like if, if you, if somebody gets their arm cut off or their leg amputated, uh, that they can still feel the nerve endings on that too. You know, that kind of, kind of what my thought, oh, yeah. my thought oh, was yeah. there when he was saying that too. So, um, 
Yep, yep, that's a real thing. Right. So, so this is really weird too because um, he walks up, he walks over to the window and he opens up the window. I mean, this is, this, I mean, he just opens up and he looks out and it's a big. I don't know what floor he's on. He's got to be like thirteen stories up at least, maybe more. And he just looks over and he's like, "Man, that's a long drop." And um, he goes, "Yeah." He's like, and, th- and then he's like, um, "I'm going to have to close this now." And he's like, "Well, you don't think I would jump, do you?" And he's like, "Well." He's like, I just wanted to get some fresh air. He's like, I, I want to live. That's my problem. He's like, well, I'll turn on the air conditioner, basically. And he says, I'll have to shut the window. It works best when the windows are closed. So, you know, that reminds me of, like, my dad when he said, well, I'm not I'm not heating up the whole neighborhood. You know, or whatever. Shut the door. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Um, so one interesting fact that he, he leave, well, the, as you progress along in the episode, he he begins to try to convince Dr. Rathman again that he really does have this overactive imagination and things happen in real life. And he begins to tell a story about uh, something he read in the newspaper about a woman who was abducted. I think she was actually murdered right. uh, by a person who was hiding in the backseat of her car, jumped up uh, behind her when she was driving and killed her. And that this story that he just casually read had so plagued his imagination that he actually thought someone was doing the same thing to him in the backseat of his car. Then the scene changes and he's he's talking about this accident that he had because he swears that he saw a man in his rearview mirror and this man was about to kill him, but really it was all in his mind and it caused him to have an automobile accident. And he's uh, talking about that situation. Right. And, uh, you come to find out, he, he goes to the doctor after that, and the doctor's like, you know, he's like, you're lucky to be alive in your condition. He's like, you know, your heart can't take this excitement. We told you you have a heart condition. He's like, you're lucky this didn't do you. And he's like, but you know what? The next time you get overexcited or something, he's like, it'll probably do you and it'll probably kill you. And this is when um, this is when he's, he's starting to sweat really bad now. And um, this is where he starts telling the doctor, he's like, you know, I've been having these dreams and they're in sequence. He's like, he's like, and, 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 and I don't know how really what to say. He's like, but she's going to kill me. Um, so he wakes up and it's some sort of like amusement park. I think you said, you know, it's, it might be Coney Island or something. I think you said in one of the many recordings we've done. Right. Um, so, right. <laughs> so there he is. And, and he, he, you see him go there. He sees the rifle guy. The Ferris right. wheel, and then you see the carousel, yeah, and then he shows him at the the rifle range, and then go ahead. Yeah, and he's he's trying to hit a bullseye or whatever, and next thing you hear this guy step right up, step right up, you know, see the amazing cat lady. It's kind of like a, uh, I guess we would call them the freak shows or the side shows uh, back in the day, uh, like at our state yep. fair and stuff, where you could see the world's smallest woman or tiniest woman, and or the the goat man or whatever. Um, so. He goes over there, and there's this lady. I don't know why they called her the. I'm still trying to figure out why they called her the Catwoman. Um, I'm not really sure. Um, so um, as they were going through that, um, so she starts dancing with like her leopard uh, outfit on or whatever, and he is just straight up looking at her, um, and he doesn't really know why. So he's she's dancing in front of him and everything, and he's really interested in her, and you know, and he's starting to get a little excited, you know. She's like laughing and everything, so he takes off running, and um, he runs over to like this park bench, and um, he's you know, like you said in one of the other recordings, you know, almost everybody back in the '60s smoked in television or movies, so he pulls out a cigarette. And all of a sudden you see this match or lighter come on, and it's actually the cat lady. And now she has changed wardrobe, and she's like 
in this evening gown. It's like Miss America. You know, she went from like the swimsuit right. to like the evening gown competition. So take it away from here, Eric. So, you know, they're sitting on the bench and she, uh, you know, they have this long, uh, long gazes that they exchange and they're having this intense conversation. And uh, he, he doesn't know why, but he's drawn to this particular woman, but he, he wants to get away from her at the, at the same time. And they walk over to uh, the ticket stand and they exchange another long gaze. And then uh, I think they, I don't think they kiss here, but they, he buys the tickets to go into like this fun house or haunted, haunted house type deal. And then they walk through and they're, they're talking and you can tell he's really uneasy. Uh, Mr. Hall's really uneasy and you know, there's all these haunted house sounds and they're, it's like a tent really. And they're, they're walking through this and they're, they're, uh, hugging and, and embracing. And then they eventually kiss. And, uh, at, and that's sort of the end. He, he, he breaks away from, uh, Maya and he runs down this like long corridor. And then, uh, the next scene we find him back in the psychiatrist's office and, you know, he's, uh, summarizing or finishing up, uh, explaining what happened in this dream sequence. And he's completely sweating bullets. I mean, you could tell he's in major distress and right. from there, Go ahead, yeah, but something you forgot that um, in, in in his in when they were in the amusement park or the uh, fun house, she he's like, look, he's like, this isn't happening. He's like, I'm dreaming, and she's like, I know, I know you are. You know what I mean? Uh, and so when they kiss, and then all of a sudden you see that animatronic comes rolling by, and uh, they all start coming. And then he starts getting that chest pain, and he's like, oh, I gotta go. So, um, so now that he comes out, he's like, yeah, doctor. He's like, and then he's like, uh, I went, I got up, and he's like, I knew I had to get out of there, and he's like, uh, but. The next night, I, I dreamed again, and he said, "Now the, you see the." Uh, it goes back to like another flashback or something, yeah. and it's a it's a roller coaster, right? Third and dream you, you sequence. See him looking up, yep. yeah. You see him looking up, and and uh, next thing you see, here she comes. Maya's back again, and uh, she's like, "Come on, let's go in the room." Like, you know, he's like, "I have a heart condition." She's like, "Oh, what are you, chicken? You know, it's just a dream. Nothing's going to happen to you." So she coerces him into getting on this roller coaster. And, um, so, um, they get up there and, uh, the, the, you know how roller coasters are. They go up way high, they drop real low, you know, you, 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 you takes your breath away. Um, and you always have those warnings on there anyway. And, and how smart was this back, you know, back then now today you've got those signs on there that says warning, do not ride. If you have heart conditions, uh, pregnancies, mm-hmm. uh, back issues, neck exactly. surgeries, whatever. So, I mean, Rod Sterling, once again, proving man way ahead of his time. Um, so, well, this this particular uh, roller coaster. I mean, I'm watching this again, and it, it looks like he's just basically in a flying chair. I mean, this thing doesn't look like he's harnessed <laughs> in like the roller coasters of today. And I mean, he is terrified out of his mind. And it looks like they're sitting in the front seat, and you know, the the camera angles are like the. I think we might have mentioned this before, maybe not on one of the other podcasts, but. He's, it's like uh, they're at Coney Island. They're on like the, the shore. Of, you know, there's scenes of, like on the shore uh, of an ocean or whatever. And she's just laughing hysterically and a, a really ominous laughing. And he, he's just having a major panic attack and his heart is about to explode. You can tell he's clutching his chest 
And she, at one point, tells him to jump, right, Jimbo? She tells him to, right, to jump right. off the roller coaster. She's like, jump. He's like, he's like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to jump. And that's when he knew he had to wake up, you know. And, and he's, so now he's back at the doctor's office. He's like, look. He's like, I can't go back to sleep. He's like, I know if I go back to sleep, then I'm going to end up at the roller coaster. And he's like, and then she'll push me out or something. And he's like, I don't want that to happen. Um, so he's like, he's like, I'm at the point where... If I go to sleep, she's going to kill me. But I can't stay awake anymore because my heart can't take it. I, I, you got to have rest. You know, you got to have yeah. your sleep. Um, so he comes to the thing, and he's like, and then he's like, Doc. He's like, I got to get out of here. So he's like, I got to go get some fresh air. And here's where we go. Here's where here's where the the big twist comes in. Uh, so he opens the door and he walks back out to the the um, secretary's office. And you just see him stop dead in his tracks, you know, and he, in his face, he cannot believe it. Because over there sitting at the typewriter is none other than who, Eric? Maya, the, the lady from his Maya. dreams or nightmares, really. Not really his dreams. They're more like nightmares. <laughs> right. So uh, he looks at her and he's like, Maya? And she's like, yeah. Well, and she doesn't say anything to him. But you can tell it's her. And he comes in and he's like, she's out there. And he's like, who? He's like. Maya and she's like my receptionist he's like no he's like it can't be her name's like Miss Thomas or something and he starts looking and then you just see him run and he does this perfect form out the window screaming all the way down (laughs) to the ground jumped out the 13th story you see the big piece of wood uh, from the window frame like fly into your uh, screen that's pretty cool right so next thing you see you see the psychiatrist in the chair and he opens the door and he calls for Miss Thomas to come in here and she's like yes doctor he's like could you come here please so they go over to the psychiatrist's couch, and lo and behold, there he is, Edward Hollis, laying on the couch, and he's like, he's dead. He, he checks his pause. He's like, he's, she's like, what do you mean? She's like, he just came in a minute ago, and he's like, I know. He's like, he came in there. He said he was tired. I said, hey, here, have a seat, and then with two seconds, he fell asleep. Um, so what was interesting now that we've talked over the episode is the little stuff that you find after this being what our fourth time viewing this episode. Right. Um, if the entire time that he has been in there ever since he came into this office, since he sat down on the couch the first time when we told you that the shadows uh, changed, the shading changed a little darker and he jumped up the, trying not to fall asleep, he'd actually been asleep this whole entire time. So everything from him talking to us about the ship and all that stuff, about his dream sequences and all that, that has all been in this dream. Um, and Rod Sterling says something here at the end that I'm going to quote at the end of this episode uh, that really ties it all together. But so- something else that you could look for is when he first comes into the office, um, he looks at the secretary and he looks, he kind of stares at her. He's like, yeah, he does familiar, but you don't ever see her face. It is so perfectly shot from her back. It's like you're behind her desk, and as he's walking by, he's looking at her like, uh, who, you know, what? And, she, and she's like, hey, we've been expecting you, which it could be another foreshadowing that you didn't know about when she's like, well, why would they be expecting me? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, uh, so I thought that was really well done. Uh, the lighting, the cameras, uh, the it's really, really good episode, especially after the fourth time you watch it. Not that I want to watch it a fifth time, so hopefully this works, but uh, yeah. uh, what do you think, Eric? Uh, I definitely there think uh, there are there are shadows of uh, Alfred Hitchcock in this, uh, like oh, with the camera work Alfred. and everything, and all of the the hidden sequences and uh, all of the big reveals at the end. Uh, you know, it reminds me a lot of Psycho in the in the major reveals at the end, and they realize you know yeah. once the realization comes to the 
to bear that this guy has been dreaming this whole long sequence what seems like chopped up sequences of dreams where he is asleep and awake or he's retelling of past dreams is all one huge dream sequence so yeah after we watched it several times and Reran this podcast for the what is it fourth time? Uh, yeah, we should know <laughs> yeah. this one by heart. So I, I do think it was so, good, right? So um, a few notes that I found: uh, the title of the episode and the Charles Beaumont well-written short story that inspired it is taken from William Shakespeare's Hamlet's "To Be or Not to Be" speech. Uh, to sleep, perchance to dream, eh? There's the rub. The very next line: For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come, was used by fellow. Um, the Twilight Zone writer Richard Matheson as the title of his novel uh, and movie While Dreams May Come in 1998, which starred, I do believe, Robin Williams. Okay. Um, this is the first Twilight Zone in 1959 uh, uh, episode that was written by Charles Beaumont and also the first that was not written by Rod Sterling. Okay. So. I think I think he did I think he did did it justice. Yeah. Um, I think he did a great job. I re- but I remember the first time we watched this, we was like, well, this isn't one of the good episodes. This one's not very good. You know what I mean? But yeah. now that you sit back and you've actually had time to think about it and watch it, it, it makes a lot of sense. He did re- It's really well done. Uh, this episode was based upon a short story of the same name by Charles Beaumont that was first published in the November 1958 issue of Playboy magazine. Um, the opening uh, upper pan of the skyscraper, which we talked about, appears to be from the MGM silent film The Crowd from 1928. So they used some old footage. Oh, okay. um, the woman uh, the patient thinks is trying to kill him is named Maya. Uh, this is a Hindu word meaning the supernatural power wielded by gods and demons to produce illusions. Uh, the movie Space 1999 had a shape-shifting character named Maya. And sadly, Richard Conti, um, the man who played Mr. Hall, um, who had the potentially deadly heart condition, uh, died in real life of a heart attack at the age of nineteen or nineteen at the age of sixty-five. Wow! So maybe a foreshadowing. A yeah, chance. life Im- life imitating art, maybe. Right, right. Um, so um, here's something else. According to DreamMoods.com. To dream that you are riding a roller coaster represents life's frequent ups and downs. You are experiencing erratic behavior brought on by yourself or a situation. If you dream that you are stuck on a roller coaster or that the roller coaster has broken down, then it implies that a project or relationship has lost its momentum. Perhaps what started out as something fun or exciting has slowed down. Also, to see or be in an amusement park in your dream indicates that you need to get uh, set some time for more relaxation and enjoyment in your life. The rides, booths, and elements in the amusement park are an expression of some aspect of yourself or some area in your life. This might provide some insight into Mr. Hall's nightmares. He was stressing himself out and putting too much stress on his heart. Oh, hmm. Interesting insight. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Right. Yeah. And I told you I would close with... Um, this this was the um, the what he what it's not it's Rod Serling's closing remarks as he does on every episode, um, but I think it summed this up perfectly. Um, he said, "They say a dream takes only a second." As as you found out right here, this guy was only asleep for two seconds. Right, he had all this stuff, um, or so, and yet in that second, a man can live a lifetime. He can suffer and die, and who's to say which is the greater reality, the one we know. Or the one in dreams between heaven, the sky, the earth, and the twilight zone. So, Eric, give me your thoughts on this episode real quick. 
again, just to reiterate, I thought it was uh, once you really dig into it, uh, there's a lot of good hidden gems in there. I'd, I'd give it a thumbs up. But, you know, all of them are good in, in their own special way. Right, and, and especially one being not written by Rod Sterling, that this was another guy, the first one that Rod Sterling kind of produced. He had some big shoes to follow, uh, shoes to follow from those first ones that he, he laid, the first 80 laid out. Yep, for sure. So, well, there you have it. Yeah, it's definitely better the, the third and fourth time around. Um, yeah. So I think that's this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. And, and cut.